This podcast is recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging, and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded, and that the modern Australian state has refused to ever come to terms with the atrocities that were committed as a result of European colonisation, let alone making any attempt at addressing them and making amends. Well may we say, God save the Queen. Because nothing will save the Governor-General. You know I've searched my heart to prove There's better ways to push and pull Hey, whatever gets you through these days Hello and welcome to Well May We Say a progressive podcast about Australian politics. This is episode 118 for 7th of February 2020. I'm Jeremy Sear, and each week I'll be joined by a different guest host to help me discuss what's just been happening to the country, what's likely to happen, and hopefully what we can do about it. Tonight's guest... Sorry? Sorry, I'm... Oh, Cam Smith, who was the guest host last time, uh, is cutting in with a message of what is stuck in his craw. Hello, Jeremy. Hello, guest host. It's me, Cam Smith, from many different things, but the main one I want to plug at the moment is Yeah Na Pasaran, a radio show on 3CR, broadcast 4.30pm on Thursday afternoons. Asking me to do this stuck in my craw is cruelty. I have so much up my craw hole at the moment. Asking me to pick just one thing and needle it out of there with a little toothpick is, you know, like asking you to pick... Which of your children you want to slag off on a podcast the most? Uh, it's it's cruel and it's unusual. So, I was going to talk about the Green New Deal, which uh, Adam Bant announced at his usurpation ceremony over his clone Richard Di Natale last week, and which Malcolm Turnbull also was uh, yapping on about. Always a good sign when Malcolm Turnbull's on board with your program. But... Uh, I was going to talk about how I wasn't sure I was going to have that much cut through with the Australian electorate, given we never had a a normal New Deal uh, to have a green one to compare it to. But then I was Googling and I saw that people I I liked talked about how it was good. And so I don't want to make it. You know, I'm not here to make enemies. Then I wanted to talk about the Liberal National Party and how there are seemingly no consequences for their malfeasance. You look at uh, Bridget McKenzie, who, while she may have lost her cabinet position, is still in the Senate, still drawing a very healthy wage, even though she was very clearly up to no good. Uh, the rot certainly went all the way to the top, but the buck seems to have stopped with Bridget McKenzie. Uh, they've put their lamb upon the altar and there need be no more investigation. You've got Angus Taylor, who the AFP have just announced they're dropping their investigation into, even though there was clearly something incredibly sus going on there. Uh, you've got the robo debt. You've got the robo debt situation to where they knew it was illegal for some time. Uh, I really don't think that they just decided to stop it on the day that they sent the email that said it was illegal. Uh, and again, there are no consequences. But then I can't even say there are no consequences because the other news story today is that the Liberal candidate in Victoria, who was running a law and order campaign, uh, has been charged with leaking. 
secret police data to 3AW in order to give the impression that there was a massive crime wave afoot. So I can't even say that there are zero consequences. So I guess what is stuck in my craw is the fact that there are all of these contradictions that don't allow me to have a proper stuck in my craw topic. And that's this my stuck in my craw secret. I've always got something stuck in my craw. Well, thank you to Cam for very kindly doing a summary of the week for me. And it's chilling to hear that yet another uh, lefty is out there turning into a horrifying green rage machine because not only does Cam sound like the things that are stuck in his craw are causing him to hulk up, but according to the Herald Sun and presumably some of the other uh, Murdoch tabloids this week, they're depicting it about as a giant incredible hulk, a giant big green muscly dude who is going to hulk smash you with horrific plans like, well... Uh, according to this Daily Mail uh, article, which is subtly entitled The Anti-Australian! Exclamation mark. How extreme, all in caps, left-winger and anti-coal zealot Adam Ban's selection as Greens leader will change the country as we know it. Hyphen, and why hard-working Aussies should be afraid. And they have a list. They have a list of the horrifying things that... Well, here is the list of Adam Ban's radical policies, according to the Daily Mail. Make Australia 100% reliant on renewable energy by 2030! Phase out thermal coal exports by 2030 and ban new coal and gas mines, including Adani! Reintroduce the carbon tax! Set up a nationalised energy retailer called Power Australia! Subsidise solar power panels being built on homes with a $1.2 billion solar for all program! Abolish fees! and bring back universal free TAFE and undergraduate university. Introduce a progressive business tax to make larger companies pay more. Increase payments to and flexibility for single parents. Lift youth allowance and new start by $75 a week. Reverse coalition tax cuts. And overhaul political donations rules and establish a federal anti-corruption watchdog, ICAC. I imagine that voters might not be totally opposed to uh, the idea of some kind of a federal ICAC after the sports rorts affair, which was not just the 150 million like public program where they were dealing with grants where people had made actual applications in a fairly shonky way, but also there's the, the further revelations this week of another $150 million fund that uh, they were deliberately pork-barrelling out to try and win seats uh, that was also to do with sports facilities, which they didn't even open for people to make a pitch. So it's possible that people might not be so horrified by the idea of a federal ICAC. But yes, it feels like that kind of coverage by the right-wing tabloids kind of backfires. Not just photoshopping Greens politicians in, in cool ways, because, you know, you know, the Hulk is often the smart, smartest person in the room. But anyway, presumably drawing them in, in communist garb and so forth uh, frightens some of the older readers of these tabloids who presumably would never vote for the Greens anyway. But I have a feeling that it actually backfires because, as Bant was saying just this week in terms of what his priorities were as leader, it was to be out there talking to people who do benefit from Greens policies but don't actually hear from the Greens and don't realise that those are, in fact, the Greens policies because they're not consuming the few media outlets who actually cover what the Greens put out there occasionally. So his pitch is to be actually talking to those groups. And by getting some of the Greens policies out there in the way that the tabloids are doing here in an attempt to try and attack them, I suspect that that will backfire and that that will actually have the effect of persuading some people who wouldn't have otherwise heard the Greens message that, oh, hang on, those things sound pretty good. 
But of course, no one's going to make it easy for the Greens. Albo was out there immediately defending Scott Morrison from being criticised by Adam Bant after he became leader. So Bant had said something to the effect of, uh, these catastrophic bushfires have happened at one degree. Scott Morrison's plan is for at least three times as much pain, three times as much suffering, and three times as many deaths at least, because that is what is in store for us if we keep on going the way the government has us going. And the story of the Australian, Mr Albanese rejected Mr Bant's rhetoric as Federal Parliament on Tuesday paused to remember the 33 people who died during the... 2019-20 bushfires. Quote. I don't think that you advance uh, your cause, your objective, by coming up with strong rhetoric that has people who agree with you agreeing with you even stronger. Being engaged in abuse, uh, such as uh, the quote that you just used, in, in my view, isn't a great way to bring people with you. So saying that the leader, by charging down a path that is going to lead to further escalating climate change is, is responsible for that destruction and death. Well, that's... Well, it's nice for Scott Morrison that Anthony Albanese has his back. I think we can all agree with that. All right, I'm sure there's reason for hope. Sure, in the past, this government has made a point of saying there's no such thing as climate change, not happening, or if it is happening, nothing to do with us. If it has something to do with us, nothing to do about it. Then we follow the four-stage strategy. What's that? In stage one, we say nothing is going to happen. Stage two, we say something may be going to happen, but we should do nothing about it. In stage three, we say that maybe we should do something about it, but there's nothing we can do. <laughs> stage four, we say maybe there was something we could have done, but it's too late now. Or even, uh, as Andrew Bolt was saying this week, warming is good! Although that's a new development to have having to concede that it's actually happening. But at least now... We appear to have gone over one of the many hurdles in the path towards, hey, maybe we should stop doing the thing that's causing that. And one of those was the idea that climate change was possibly not real. Science without. So here is Michael McCormack, still the leader of the Nationals. Imagine just under half your colleagues want to replace you with Barnaby Joyce. Rough week for Michael McCormack. Anyway, here's Michael McCormack. Now... Uh, unfortunately, journalists these days ask, do you believe in climate change? Not, do you understand climate change? What do you think climate change means? And, well, actually, that would be very that would, that would be an interesting question to ask somebody like Michael McCormack. Here he is trying to sort of fudge his way through the rhetorical conversion, rather than an actual substantive one, that he has done since just November, December. OK, Mr McCormack, do you believe in the science of climate change? Yes, Yes, why I do. Did, why did you say back before Christmas, then I'm quoting you directly, climate change is only the concern of woke capital city greenies? I was talking about uh, uh, Richard Di Natale and, uh, and Adam Bant. And, and whilst I say that, I, I do want to uh, wish, uh, wish Adam all the best in his new role and wish uh, Richard all the best uh, retiring for family reasons and do want to reach mm. out and, uh, and scroll through my phone last night to see if I had either of their number. I think Adam's waiting in the, in the studio. I'll be seeing him uh, in a short while and I'll congratulate him on his new role. But, the, but they did go out and accuse, I thought unfairly, uh, the Prime Minister of being in some way somehow responsible for the sad and tragic and unfortunate deaths of those, uh, uh, those people in the bushfires very early in the bushfire season, which I thought uh, was going way too far and I called them out for it. Uh, that's not exactly what McCormack... That's a bit of a bit of revisionism there of McCormack from what he was actually saying, which was criticising the attempt to link these bushfires with climate change, not necessarily Scott Morrison in relation to these ones, 
more that they're connected and Scott Morrison is setting things up for the next lot and that, well, to the extent that Scott Morrison was in Parliament at the time when they entered the carbon price uh, five, six years ago, actually, you know what? It is actually not unreasonable to link these bushfires with Scott Morrison. But this is what McCormack was saying back in November. Michael McCormack isn't walking away. I'm not going to take back my comments. Comments attacking the Greens for linking the bushfires with climate change. It is disgraceful, it is disgusting, and I'll call it out every time. Calling them... Inner city raving uh, lunatics. Not really very convinced by that attempt to reframe what he said earlier and try to fudge his way through it. But the worst part of the questioning there is that they didn't hold him to... When he says he under, he believes in the science of climate change, what does he believe? What what does that mean? Because the science of climate change says that this is not the end point. There's no reason to think that the, that the climate's just stopped. We've hit the plateau. We're going to stop warming from here. So it doesn't matter what further greenhouse gases we emit into the atmosphere. It doesn't matter that uh, as a result of the existing heating of the planet. We're already jumping over a bunch of tipping points. We're melting the permafrost. We've just released a giant amount of carbon emission. We've released the carbon that was locked up in a bunch of Australian forests with these unprecedented bushfires. There are a lot of things that are making it worse, even if we were to just keep our emissions as they are. And of course, the reality is that it's going to keep increasing. And what Bant was saying earlier was that this is what we're seeing at one degree. Can you imagine what we're going to see at three degrees? Andrew Bolt might think that warming is great because in some places that you previously couldn't grow some crops, now you'll be able to grow some crops. Of course, in the places you could grow those crops, you won't be able to grow those crops. And in other places where you could grow crops, it will be impossible to grow crops as well as to live. But, you know, in a, in a small location, there may, in, in amongst this global chaos, there might be some small elements that are locally beneficial. So then the rest of it's fine. Anyway. The question that they don't ask, and if anybody here listening to this is in any way a journalist or connected journalist who gets to talk to these politicians, please stop asking if they believe in the science of climate change. Ask them what they understand by that. Do they think that human emissions are going to make it worse? Do they think, therefore, that those emissions should be reduced? Do they accept that the current international settings are not going to get us there? That the scientists are saying they won't? We have to cut them harder. Do they accept, therefore, that we need to be, in Australia, not just reducing our own emissions? Well, let's, let's, go, let's break that down. Do they accept that in Australia we need to be reducing our own emissions? Do they accept that internationally we may need to be using all of our diplomatic efforts to persuade other countries to reduce their emissions? Do they accept that as a result of our emissions being per capita some of the highest in the world or the highest in the world, we won't have any credibility pushing other countries like China or India while our emissions are higher than theirs? So what does it mean when you say, do you believe... The fact that Michael McCormack can bat-bat that question with simply yes indicates that it is a completely meaningless question and that, that you, ha you haven't given a question that when you get a straight one-word yes or no answer to, it leaves you with nothing. It leaves you no none the wiser because the question is a meaningless dumb one. It also fits into their whole rhetoric about... It, about it being a belief whilst you're asking specifically do you believe do you believe in the science like it's not a religion do you accept the scientific consensus that a b c and d sadly it doesn't really get any better with any of his colleagues the newly elected nationals deputy leader david littleproud who uh, is going to move from the water portfolio to return to agriculture but also previously had some responsibility in relation to droughts these are all portfolios you would think 
would require a minister to try to come to terms with climate change. What's causing it? What we can do about it? What the effects are on all of those things? Water, drought, agriculture. And yet, that hasn't really been the approach that David Littleproud has taken. In an interview with The Guardian newspaper published on the 10th of September, you said, I don't know if climate change is man-made. You've been the Minister for Drought and Water for quite a while, areas in which climate change is a key issue. How can you not be educated on that? Well, I believe in the science, but I'm not a scientist myself. I obviously have to rely on the science, and whether I articulate that clearly or not, um, you can belt me up for it, but the reality is I'm not a science. No, scientist. but the science, I'm just a bloke from Western it's man-made. Well, well, and in fact, no one is, is disputing that within our party. In fact, most of the National Party will say that there's been some contribution. Now, what, what level that is, um, is obviously science itself is still working through. But we shouldn't, we shouldn't get hung up on that. We should be about real action. And that's what we're trying to make sure we continue to do through but our Climate sorry, Solutions sorry, Fund sorry and making interrupt. sure that we invest in renewable energies. Sorry to interrupt. I just want to go to this again, because as I say, you're a minister in these key areas. You said you know, recently that you don't know if climate change is man-made. You can go to the website of NASA, you know, not normally considered a hotbed of woke activists, and you can find within 30 seconds their data that there's a more than 95% probability that human activity has warmed the planet. If you Google climate change and BHP, you get straight onto BHP's website where they're saying that the human influence on global warming is clear. As you say, you're not a scientist yourself. Why wouldn't you take the word of experts from NASA and BHP and say, yes, I accept that climate change is human-induced? Well, well, I'm not uh, disputing the science. What I'm saying is uh, I'm not gifted academically to have that scientific background myself but I'm trusting the science uh, and what the conversation needs to be is not about this emotional two word uh, slogan of, emo of climate change. We simply have to have practical solutions and, and I think we will advance further as a nation rather than having this emotional response to it because I think the middle ground in all this is they want practical solutions. They want a cleaner environment but how we do that without, without destroying the economy is something that we should back ourselves as the nation to be able to back ourselves with the technology and the investment to do that. And we've done that with the Climate Solutions Fund. We're doing that with the renewable energies. Uh, so we're a smart nation. We're doing that and we should back ourselves to achieve it. So apart from the gaslighting there where he's blatantly daring us to remember that his colleagues repeatedly deny, and we've all heard them deny, the existence of human-induced climate change. They're the ones we've seen out there in the media. They've been the ones on Q&A. Like, his colleagues are the ones out there regularly saying, no, it's got nothing to do with climate change, with us, or there isn't such a thing. Like, they've been running interference on this for a long time and trying to pretend to us, nah, we were always going to do We've all accepted it. Oh, okay, because just otherwise. Uh, also, the, the emotional slogan, climate change, that's not a slogan. It's a term for a phenomenon that has been observed and that you now accept is a real phenomenon. How is that a... It's not... <laughs> it's not a slogan. Nobody's going, hey, hey, ho, ho, climate change. Sorry, my toddlers recently started saying, hey, hey, ho, ho, so she's ready for her first protest. In any case, that's infuriating. The idea that what they've done uh, is, is going to be sufficient and is a genuine attempt is completely contradicted by any of the analysis that any sober analysis of where we're going with our emissions, which is that they are going back up again after they axed the carbon price, which Little Proud definitely voted for, to end. After they did that, our emissions have started going up again. They were going down under the carbon price. Now they're going up. And this line that you have to destroy the economy. Where's the evidence for that? So if you're a Little Proud and you are, as you say, a bit of a thicky, doesn't really understand the science, um, not, not your background, fine. 
You're in charge of portfolios that are to do with that. Now, I, I am not an expert in everything. I'm willing to accept that I should, in areas that I am not an expert in, if I am going to act in relation to those, should try to listen to the people who are. Has Little Proud, when he was Minister for Water, has he had the CSIRO in to talk with him about what things could be done to reduce the impact of climate change or to reduce the negative effects on the water table and what's happening and how to manage that? Has he actually talked to the scientists? And when then when they've recommended a course of action, have you gone and cost that? Have you gone and made any effort to try and find out how you can do that without, as you say, destroying the economy? You just assume that anything that is not in the interest of the fossil fuel lobby is going to destroy the economy. These people are bullshit artists. They say, oh, you look, how, how am I meant to know? Because you're the freaking government. You have resources. You can talk to experts, listen to them, and act. You don't just go, oh, well, you don't just deny it relentlessly and then say, oh, well, now we're here. <laughs> now there's nothing we can do about it. You are wrong about there's nothing we can do about it in the same way as you were wrong that it wasn't a thing. And the media should not be letting you or Michael McCormack or anyone else get away with pretending that their opinion hasn't changed, that they've always been on board with this. What do you mean? What do you mean we've, we've uh, been denying it for all this time? The reason why it is important that they are having to change their mind and why that point needs to be made is because they continue to be wrong in relation to the next step. And if they get away each time with being able to just say, oh, well, we're moving to the next one, with no consequence to the fact that for so long until it was completely untenable, they adamantly demanded that we accept that climate change wasn't a real thing or it wasn't anything that we could do anything about. They were wrong about that. Now they are claiming that there's nothing we can do about it and we just have to accept it. They're wrong about that too. And the point of identifying that they were just wrong five minutes ago about what they argued till they were blue in the face about climate change, they are still wrong about it. They're wrong that, that we weren't contributing to it in the first place, and they are wrong that we can't do anything about it. The only consistent through line is that they are relentlessly advocating for the fossil fuel lobby who give them so much money and give them nice cushy jobs after Parliament. Their only consistent line is that that lobby should never have to change, should never be reined in. Anyway, if you need some shameless lies to get out there, sink into some people's brains, and then just sort of linger like a, a vicious disease, a virulent infection that, that sinks into the body politic and is really hard to excise. Well, Peter Dutton's your man. And uh, he was coming out again this week with... Listeners of the podcast are well aware that uh, it's very clear on the, on the signs of what had occurred with these bushfires. A, that hazard reduction had nothing to do with it because in the conditions that we had, fire was going between the tops of trees and didn't really matter what hazard reduction you had been able to do, even if you were able to do it for longer, which of course you can't because the time period in which you can do them safely keeps shrinking due to climate change. But the other big one that they were trying when they were trying to do anything but, but accepting that climate change was giving us these giant bushfires, shrouding our cities in smoke, putting our children in gas masks, when that was a bit of a tipping point and we might actually do something about it and might actually come after the commercial interests of their mates in the fossil fuel lobby. So of course we all recall that their other classic line was that it's arsonists. It's always arsonists. I'm sure the arsonists are responsible for sports or as well, but arsonists. Now, listeners to the podcast are well aware that the only analysis that's been done into the starting of these fires is that the vast majority have been caused by lightning strikes, that arson accounts for less than 1%. And apart from each of those, what starts the fires is kind of irrelevant. The issue was, in this case, 
that they spread in the way they did. Fires have always started. There's always been lightning. There's always been arson. None of, there's no evidence that any of those things have increased. The thing that has changed is the weather conditions, the drought and then the extreme heat conditions that led to what actually happened. And it's really hard to deny that. But anyway, if you want to find someone else to blame, there are lots of Australians out there who will be happy to find a, a, a criminal that they can blame. Somebody... Yeah, they, they want a, a villainous, filthy person out there. Maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it's the greenies trying to trying to set us up to get action on climate change. Maybe the greenies are burning down the forests. Like, no, that is seriously a conspiracy theory that these lunatics are pushing. Anyway, News Limited tried to come out with some figures to try and claim that there was 183 arsonists who'd been caught. When you look into their numbers, they were, uh, I think, all or almost all before the fires. They were not all arson either. They were, in fact, a bunch of them were people trying to burn off to do their own backburning, the stuff that uh, the coalition's saying, uh, the right-wingers were saying uh, there wasn't enough of. So the people doing that in conditions where it wasn't safe to do so, the, th- the very thing that they're saying we need to do more of, that was a bunch of those charges uh, because it's not safe. And obviously when you do uh, hazard reduction burns uh, at a dangerous time, which is increasing amount of the year where it was previously safe to do it, those numbers were not of arsons connected with these bushfires. And in fact, the analysis of the bushfires, the big ones, it was that actually none of them had anything to do with arson. They're all started by lightning strikes. Anyway, knowing that context, here is Peter Dutton lying about arsonists to Patricia Cavellis. Just briefly on climate change, there's a debate inside your party room about uh, about this issue after the bushfires. What do you make of the push by people like Barnaby Joyce and Matt Canavan uh, that th- that the party shouldn't succumb on climate change being pushed by greenies after after the bushfires? Well, Patricia, I, I, look, I've been following this debate uh, for a long time. I've been in Parliament 18 years. I've got to say to you, I don't see huge points of difference in our party room. I think the way in which the Prime Minister went through all of that which we're doing, uh, the targets that we're exceeding, the uptake of renewable energy, our investment into new technologies, when you look at what he had to say the other day, I think that is absolutely uh, reflective of the view that's in the party room. Now, I think the point that is made, frankly, by by some, which, you know, I mean, maybe it's a matter of interpretation or ways in which people want to, to massage this, you know, according to their own interpretation. I think people in our party room are saying uh, we want action on climate change, uh, but in relation to the bushfires, we, we absolutely believe a large number of the bushfires were more intense because of the fact that there hadn't been backburning, because there hadn't been a were state they also government more response because to of climate change. Well, obviously, we're as as we've all pointed out, um, we're experiencing hotter weather, uh, longer summers. Uh, but did the bushfires start? Uh, in some of these regions because of climate change? No, it didn't. It started because uh, somebody lit a match. I mean, there are 250 people, as I understand it, or more that have been charged with arson. That, sure, that's not climate change. Sure, but when you look at change. the figures, actually the overwhelming beginnings of these fires, uh, according to the experts, Peter Dutton, is actually uh, lightning strikes. It wasn't arson. That wasn't but, the but majority. Patricia, no, nobody's, nobody's disputing that. And, and there have been lightning strikes for as long as there, there have been bushfires in this country. And maybe there are more lightning strikes. I, I don't know. I'm happy to accept the involvement of climate change, but I just your point was about the views in our party room. I think the views in our party room... Nobody's disputing that it's lightning. Ten seconds earlier. Look, regardless of whether it's climate change, these fires started not because of climate change, because somebody lit a match. There's 250 cases of arson. <laughs> like, just the speed at which he bullshits. Like, you just tried to claim that it was arson 
she points out that it's lightning, and you're like, look, nobody's disputing that. Yeah, you, f- we just, you just did. You just tried to claim it was arson. And, like, just just the numbers. I, I sort of must have skipped over it before. So the 183 that Newsman came out with like was retweeted by Donald Trump's son. They rounded it up to 200, and now Dutton's adding another 50, right, rounding it up to 250. Like, they were there was a tiny number of arson charges, and they were not connected to the big bushfires. Like, it's simply a lie to suggest that that's what started them. Secondly, what started them isn't the point. The point is that the climate conditions is why they spread the way they did. Fires have always started. Like, how long is responsible? Like, oh, I don't know if there's some increase in lightning. Not saying that there's more lightning due to climate change. We're saying that the heat and the drought conditions, which are more extreme than they were in the past, these bushfire conditions are what are, what led to these out of control bushfires. Not extra lightning strikes. Not I mean, they, 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 the lightning strikes were the same as usual, but the spread was caused by the climate change. But he's just been caught out. I mean, Carvelis doesn't say to him, where'd you get your number of 250? Because it is bullshit. There's no, it's just a total fudge of the 200, which was a fudge of the 183, which was a fudge of the like 20, which was a fudge of the fact that, a fudge of the time periods because they weren't actually connected, time periods and locations because they weren't actually connected to these which fires. Like, it's just, just shameless. What a, what a liar. He also repeated that hideous 250 arsonist bullshit department. And the problem is that when there is no consequence to these liars telling these lies, including in Parliament, our democracy doesn't work. Cavellus doesn't even call him out on it. She says, because again, he's kind of gishgalt it there. He's thrown a bunch of things out at the same time. That it's arsonists, that they started these bushfires, that, that it, it's what, what started it with this matter, that there's 250 of them. And Cavellus only has time to deal with one of them, which is none, actually, no, most of lightning. And she just sort of lets the 250 asses thing go through to the keeper. So you just threw a whole bunch of shit like this out, and it sticks in the minds of idiots. Like, that 250 asses figure will be coming up all over the right-wing sphere, because Dutton's now said it. There, there, you've got a source. And if it wasn't true, surely there'd be some consequence for it. I also like that he makes a comment about, oh, I don't know if there's been an increase in uh, lightning strikes. Whilst throwing out the arsonist number... If you're going to be throwing that out as a cause of the increased fire damage from this season, surely that only makes any sense if there's actually been an increase in arsonists. If the arsonists are the same as in all previous years, then they're not the cause for the change. The only way that they are, you could even make, I mean, obviously the fact, the other facts contradict it being anything to do with arsonists anyway, but even if you were going to run the arsonists are responsible line, if you're Peter Dutton, and you're alert to that, you've just noticed the bit of like, well, I don't know if there's been an increase in lightning strikes. Cool. Go back to the next step. Has there been an increase in arsonists? Are there more arsonists? Obviously there aren't. They're not the reason why the bushfires were more devastating this year than they have been previously. And finally we get to Scummo and his bullshit excuses for not doing anything. And he's locked in. He's very specifically not going to do anything to rein in the fossil fuel lobby, which means that he's not going to do anything to reduce Australia's emissions even if he manages to hit the Paris targets, which is inadequate anyway, but even if he manages to do it, and of course the only way that they're doing it is by coasting on what was put in place before they came in. All this nonsense that the previous people that we've just played have been saying about this this renewable investment, that's all stuff that was going much better under the carbon price and that the Libs deliberately sabotaged. And the fact that it's still going is because people who aren't the Liberal Party are aware that that is where the future lies, and so they have kept investing in it despite the coalition's best efforts. So the idea that they're responsible for any of the new technology is laughable. 
Uh, sadly, of course, Australia is now not going to be a leader in that technology because of the way that they've sabotaged that sector out of their bizarre love for coal. But here is Scummo blatantly declaring that he is not going to move in any substantial way on this. On issues like hazard reduction, I announced yesterday that um, we're recommending Mark Binskin to, to lead this Royal Commission. One of the issues he's going to be looking at closely, uh, not just the, the federal powers, which you know I've talked about before, Carl, yeah. uh, about how and when I can send in the defence forces without request, but on our own initiative, but also because when you're thinking about the bushfire season, the next one, then hazard reduction is as important, if not more than, I would argue, um, to keep people safe think, than emissions uh, reduction. The Royal Commission assumes that our, our climate has changed and there is climate change. The issue is what you do about it, the mm. practical actions that keep people safe. And emissions reductions, land clearing, all of these things are critical to that. Of course they are. The, the, perception is, the perception out there is, and I know you and I have argued about perception before, but the perception is you need to do more, but the nationals want you to do less. How on earth do you sleep together? We've, we've been a coalition always in government and, and the great beneficiary of that has been the Australian people. Stronger economy, stronger national security, sensible balanced policies, particularly on things like climate change. And, you know, we listen to all Australians and we listen to Australians right across the country, not just those in the inner city. We listen to those out in the far-flung parts of our remote territories, our bush, our regional communities. And it's important to listen to everybody but take people forward on practical, balanced action that doesn't go and write people's jobs off or industries off, that doesn't go and put taxes on people. I mean, action on climate change does not mean taxing people. It's about technology, not taxation. So we won't be bullied into higher taxes or higher electricity prices. What we'll do is take practical action that deals with these challenges, and that challenge is living in a hotter, drier and longer summer where these risk of these bushfires we need to be more resilient to. So I'm going to focus on the stuff that works, the stuff that actually reduces risk, and the stuff that ensures that people can be safer in summer. Okay, almost everything you just said is a lie. So, a couple of... Okay, the, the, the claim that he listens, that they're going to listen to everyone, not just people in the inner city. When do you ever listen to lefties? Like, you treat us with absolute contempt 100% of the time. Uh, I don't recall any time that you listen to us. But the idea that it's just happened. We've hit a, hit a plateau. Everything's fine. We just need to work out how to adapt. And hazard reduction is more important than, uh, than other action. Uh, even though all of the evidence is that hazard reduction would have nothing to do with these bushfires spreading and that the climate is continuing to get worse and that we need to do more in terms of emissions reductions, both locally and globally, or else you can adjust to these... Well, I don't think you actually can adjust to the climate at one degree, at what it is right now. Certainly not the way you're proposing. And like, You can hazard reduce all you like, but it's not going to reduce the spread of the fires because they don't care what's on the ground. If you're planning on like cutting down the entire forest and you better remove all of the uh, dead wood that the forest industry often leaves behind because that also catches on fire, what are you proposing to do? Just like land clear the entire national forests? What Do we need to concrete them all? Like what are you going to put there that's not flammable? And if you do decide to pave paradise and put up a parking lot, what's putting oxygen back into the air when we breathe it out. Like, we just thought maybe we just farm some plankton over the Great Barrier Reef. What are you planning on doing? The reality is that if he gets away with this line, and this is what Greg Greg got really fired up about, Greg Jericho got fired up a couple of episodes ago and, and in The Guardian. If he gets away with this line, then we're all duped. <laughs> like, 
it's very hard not to be a bit catastrophic and about this because we don't know 100% what all of the impacts are going to be of the climate as it gets hotter and hotter. But we are we can be 100% certain that it is going to cause chaos to our civilization as it as it is now. And we can be absolutely certain that more droughts, hotter weather, melting the ice like the idea that as Andrew Bolt uh, that everyone could be out there sort of blithely saying warming is good based on what? I don't know, maybe he's got shares in gas mask manufacturers, but it's mad. Scummo just bloody well. And the idea that he's being bullied. One thing you notice from people like Morrison, who is a prime bully, uh, is that they are very good at protection. And you can pretty much watch whatever Scummo accuses his opponents of being and doing as a very good, very reliable indicator of what he knows about himself. Take that with you. Next time Scummo is using a line about his opponents in terms of a characteristic, bet you, bet you good money that it's a, a term that uh, you might reasonably observing his actions apply to him. Anyway, that's all very depressing. Uh, so the only thing that's going to change things is us all getting out there. There was a big protest in front of Parliament House in Canberra this week, and we need to keep that up and increase it because. Left to their own devices, the politicians aren't going to do anything. The power of money is going to... Get... Well, I mean, you had Scummo also talking about, well, you know, I'm not going to be out there uh, talking about action that's going to cost money or the, and you won't say how much it's going to cost. Well, how much is the one degree increase cost us, Scummo? So how much is three degrees going to cost us? Have you done the maths on that? Can you tell us? Because inaction has a cost. And the idea that, that you can't... That, oh, I'm not going to do anything that involves taxes. Well... <laughs> You called the carbon price a carbon tax. It wasn't actually a tax. It was a market mechanism for... But we're basically adding in the external costs that realistically are part of burning coal, but that are uh, externalised by the people who are profiting from it to the rest of us. We all bear the costs of it, but we're not getting the money for it. And it was an idea, a way of putting the costs that are incurred as a result of that technology back into... Uh, the price that's paying for that technology. And it was done in an equitable way. It wasn't a tax that increased energy costs for people. It, it reduced energy costs for people, uh, particularly if you were in you were at the um, middle to lower end of the income scale. It was a good scheme. But anyway, you you lying bastards all called it a tax. And now you say, we, won't, we certainly won't do that thing that was actually reducing emissions and we've been coasting on even after repealing it, the, 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 the legacy elements of it. Just shameless. But... What are you going to do instead? What? When nobody ever asks him, none of the media actually ask him, what actually are you doing to encourage? You say it's all about taking up of renewables. Okay, well, that was certainly an impact of the carbon price. What policy of the Liberals is actually doing that? Because all his, his deal with New South Wales was just about fracking more gas. That's not renewable. Gas is a fossil fuel. You burn it and it creates carbon compounds that are greenhouse gases. Incredible. Anyway... That's where we are. A bunch of frustrating, infuriating quotes from absolute lunatics who are going to kill us all. This podcast is brought to you by Weeping Uncontrollably. You're sitting there in a waiting room and you pick up a tabloid newspaper. You're cleaning up after your children whilst listening to a podcast. And there it is. You've just learned of a new cruelty imposed by the people in power in this country on the most vulnerable. How can you process this new horror? What can you do? Try weeping uncontrollably. It won't solve the problem, but it will mean that you still retain your ability to object to atrocities as they happen. 
100% more effective at retaining your basic humanity than its nearest competitor, Numb Resignation. Try weeping uncontrollably today. Hmm, should probably try and leave the podcast on some good news. All right, so let me put you in a mind space. Imagine that you are Angus Taylor and you did a shonky attack on Clovermore with a bullshit made-up figure trying to claim that she had wasted taxpayer money, which was fudged by apparently a member of your staff. And you've been very worried that the AFP might treat you, you know, like you were a union uh, or something and, and raid your office and take the files and genuinely dig into how it is that you were uh, involved in this uh, fraudulent document and, and uh, promoting it. Imagine that you're Angus Taylor. I would, I would, that, that, that is putting you in a dark place, but probably not a darker place than you were just left by the end of uh, what our government thinks about action on climate change. And then imagine, even though you're Angus Taylor and have been involved in this shonky episode, imagine that the AFP has just decided to drop all the charges and move on. Drop the investigation. Don't you feel better now? If you don't, you're not working hard enough imagining you're Angus Taylor. And I think that's a real I think that's a real problem that many of our listeners at Well May We Say face. An inability to put themselves in Angus Taylor's shoes. But anyway, hopefully hopefully that was able to put a smile on your face. Imagine imagine you were a shonky US president and you've been doing a bunch of corrupt stuff. And you were worried that some of the senators that you'd been basically blackmailing with complete destruction if they dared to vote against you, but you still weren't hundred percent certain that, you know, one or two of them uh she would have needed quite a lot of them, but but that, that, no, you probably you probably never thought that, that was going to happen. But maybe it was in the back of your head that you thought there was a brief moment that you may, in fact, be kicked out of office because of all the corrupt shit you'd done. Imagine you're that kind of a shonky person. And then to find out that you've been acquitted by your mates that you were threatening. I mean, that'd feel good too. Uh, see, I don't think you guys are putting yourselves in the shoes of, of corrupt right-wing politicians enough. <sighs> Something to work on. Anyway, that's where we shall leave it for this week. Thank you very much for coming back. Thank you to everyone who's left a positive review on iTunes. Thank you to all our Patreon subscribers. No new Patreon subscribers this week to thank, but if you are enjoying the podcast and you would like it to keep going, please do feel free to contribute because it is very important to keeping the podcast going. Thank you also to Cam Smith for coming back and doing a Stuck in My Craw. Thank you to Robin Gray for the music. Thank you, Alex Lum, for the artwork. And we'll see you all next week. Bye.